0: Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Monday. Uh, Wiz, hope you had a good weekend. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, doing, uh, doing well. calendar is getting towards the end of May and uh, man, we're uh, looking at uh, three months basically in uh, the start of the season. So uh, we're, uh, we're getting close and uh, you know, we're going to start uh, doing our rankings and preparations, and helping people uh, along the way.
0: Yeah, and there's, uh always seems like there's always something in the news these days, and uh, I know June 1st is kind of a big day uh, when, when you look at the calendar where teams, once they get past a certain point in terms of uh, contracts and what it means for their salary cap, and uh, a little bit of a bombshell today where Julio Jones on live television gets a phone call from Shannon Sharp uh, on Fox and says uh, that he's basically out of Atlanta. Uh, And and Julio, a player that you and I have talked about a lot, uh, now 32 years old, he's been part of a pass-friendly offense uh, for a number of years, Battling seems to be battling consistent leg injuries over the course of the last few seasons and uh, basically saying that he's out of there and uh, probably going to be playing somewhere else in the uh, 2021 season.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you you always knew that nothing was going to happen until – you know, June first, but uh it looks like a, a little bit of a preemptive strike from uh Julio and uh that one is a, is a lot different than the Aaron Rodgers situation. It looks like kinda maybe Atlanta wants to see what they could get for him and uh see if they could get a great value for an aging player whose, you know, uh contract is is coming down to uh to to its conclusion. So uh yeah, I think that one uh Looks like it's uh, very likely to happen. Uh, where uh, remains the interesting question because, uh, boy, he could make a uh, a good team into a Super Bowl contender with the right fit. Uh, the New England one, I'm not quite understanding that unless you know you got that Nick Saban connection. Who Julio Jones is one of his favorite players of all time. Mac Jones just drafted there. I don't know if there are conversations like where Belichick is telling Sabin that Mac Jones will be the starter and, and and Nick Saban's convincing Julio how good of a player I mean, there's an interesting Alabama connection to it all. Uh the New England thing at first you know, glance doesn't make sense, but uh, you know, it uh It'll be interesting to see uh, where he ends up. I guess the most interesting landing spot would be if Green Bay was to make a call to Aaron Rodgers and say, "Listen, we're going all in to try and get you Julio." You know, will that be the thing that brings you back? So, it, 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 like you said, it's gone from originally to Sean Watson to Aaron Rodgers to the draft, and now on to Julio and. Uh, there hasn't been uh, you know it, it's it's been it's been a very interesting offseason
0: to say the least yeah and again not to say that Julio's not a talented player which we've talked about a lot and perhaps a victim of kind of the system at times in Atlanta where lack of utilization around the around the goal line i i've been more bothered by the kind of the persistent nagging leg injuries that have, that he's been dealing with but you know he's 32. You know I don't know. Maybe he has a significant chip on his shoulder wherever he ends up. Uh, you know a hop in his step to to go somewhere else and, and be a productive force in another offense. But but it, it, but it has ramifications all over the place because you know you look at Atlanta who drafted Kyle Pitts. Uh, uh, Calvin Ridley has been a progressing player. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, you you liked one of the guys that Atlanta drafted in in this draft as a rookie. Uh, We know Justin Gage at times looked pretty solid last year. And and this is all happening with an Atlanta Falcon offense uh, who's going to be part of a new head coaching in in Arthur Smith, who came comes over from uh, the the Tennessee Titans. So yeah, look, bears watching uh, lots of moving parts. And a lot of different storylines that, that are yet to be filled in. so uh, But that's uh, that, that's another big one to add to it. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have to watch closely for that. And, uh, you know, Wiz and I have been kind of going over where players have been moving on, on the veteran side of things. We, we looked at the quarterbacks. We looked at running backs. And we looked at wide receivers so far. And today we're going to get a little bit into the tight end where there's not as many moves. And maybe a few kickers and defensive players that have moved on uh, to see uh, – to see the factors there. So, so why don't we start at, at tight end whiz and, 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 you know, you know, at first glance, a, a lot of people got excited w- when, when the off season was going on and, and you see uh, John o. Smith end up in, uh, for the new England Patriots, uh, which has been a new England, which has been a tight end friendly offense in new England. And then they had Hunter Henry on top of it. So I guess the big question is those two players together in new England, you know I, you you wonder how much of a force it's going to be with the, both of them in the same location and how much that takes away from each other's talents in terms of and this is not in any way to say both of these players aren't great players but i worry about the impact of of the production from either of these guys who arguably both guys were top 10 tight ends going into last season and now you're both on the, on the same offense going into this season
1: yeah they kind of have over the years Similar stats, uh, similar style of play. Uh, John o. Smith is, is is more of a, you know, I guess a big play tight end. He's a much faster guy. What Hunter Henry, um, you know, was a terrific tight end at a college. You know, probably uh, more secure catching the ball. Uh, different strengths, but like their stats and their rankings have been very very close. You know. I think, you know, out of all the veteran tight ends uh, that have moved to a different landing spot, uh, these are the two that are probably the only two in the group that have changed teams that are in tight end one uh, vicinity. The question is how you do you try and um, separate the two.
0: And I'm definitely struggling as well, you know, watching it because You know, Cam Newton, who in the past has done very well with tight ends, and and you mentioned earlier about Mac Jones potentially starting. You know, Cam Newton didn't look like a a normal quarterback last year. Not that he's ever been a traditional type of quarterback, but the throwing motion uh, appeared to be even worse last year missing players by miles throwing balls into the ground I, I don't I don't I just don't get excited with the passing offense if the New England Patriots with with a player like cam Newton and and, and I guess that leads me to, to ask you you know do both of these players is it is it a much higher ceiling if in fact Mac Jones is a starting quarterback at the start of the season I don't know what your expectations are for that um, I think that might change the conversation a little bit but I'm not comfortable with either guy with cam Newton a quarterback
1: yeah and even if it was matt jones you know i i just think you know how many balls you know with, with both guys going to play a lot you know what are the expectations for each of those are uh, tight ends I, I think either one going to new england they're in the tight end ones, you know they're in that tight end one talk certainly they're in they're in the top 12 at tight end with both of them being there there's a little bit of a of, of a cancellation factor uh you know it, it, it's just difficult to envision as long as they both stay on the field and they're both playing a lot and they're both healthy that either guy is going to catch 80 85 balls so i mean you know if they if, if they both catch near a 100 passes or a little bit more, 60 each, or something like that, I think that's you know realistic. Uh, boy, it's just trying to um, figure out which guy um, is the better you know tight end going into the year. I mean, I think John o. Smith it offers a different skill set, but it appears to me like Hunter Henry, is a better fit for Cam Newton and what they're going to do. So, wow, that one is uh, that one. That one you really uh, got to kind of see as it gets closer to the season, how it plays out, what kind of offense is New England, what kind of offense is New England running, and uh,
0: and who's going to be the quarterback. And I think you mentioned uh, you know as far as these this group of veteran uh, tight ends, that a lot of guys don't kind of jump out you, out at you as a as a number one candidate. Uh, one player who intrigues me, uh, and given that you have uh, departures from from a guy like Greg Olson uh, who who retired, um, and a situation in Seattle where Seattle does or and Russell Wilson does like to go to tight end. And, and Gerald Everett, who, who played with the Rams last year, finds himself at, as a Seattle Seahawk now. And, and, you know, look, Seattle's made a lot of, noise I think in the offseason and going into the draft there were some question marks whether uh, Russell Wilson would be back and he is back in the fold we know they have two very talented receivers Everett's a very athletic guy um, you know playing next to Tyler Higbee last year but now finds himself in Seattle and, and 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 I don't know I think there are some potentials in my eyes that that Gerald Everett could kind of enter the equation of a top 10 uh, tight end coming into the season I'd like to see what things look like In the preseason and in practices But I think if you're going to look at any guy Out there other than the two we just discussed Everett to me Seems to have the most appeal From a fantasy perspective in terms of his landing spot
1: Yeah I mean so there's there's a lot To like about that situation uh, The first and foremost is that he He figures to be the starter He figures to get a lot of playing time Uh, the Rams figure to play a lot of 11 personnel and he figures to be the tight end on the field when they're playing 11 personnel. Um, so playing time check having a quarterback that can make tight ends look good. Russell Wilson check. He has familiarity with the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, who was with him when when they were together with the Rams. So familiarity, check. So those three things, check the boxes all for Gerald Everett. Now the the cons, the negatives. He's not a great – blocker. Uh he's more of a receiving type tight end. They do want to run the ball and they want to do a lot of play action off the run. So um I'm just thinking that in situations where they want to run is he going to be able to hold up hold, uh, hold up when they you know when they want to run the ball as much as they do. So there's some good things to like about. There's some things to concern them, you know, yourselves with. And boy, I just don't know if Gerald Everett uh, is going to be able to maybe fill, fill that potential uh, that he, that he's had over these last couple of years. And uh, it looks like he's clearly the number one guy there now. And uh, we'll have to see. But I'll tell you, in, in a league like ours where you draft two tight ends, He's a, he's a real good guy to have if you could draft him as your second tight end because um, there's a chance for a lot of upside with Gerald Everett.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at the depth chart of Seattle as we sit here right now, uh, there are two guys actually listed ahead of him, who, who, which is the, the kid they drafted last year, uh, Parkinson from Seattle. Uh, from Stanford, excuse me, and and Will Disley, who made some big noise uh, for a few games back in 2018, but has kind of been mired by injuries over the last few seasons. So yeah, you know, we're going to have to watch the situation. Um, you know, speaking about a lot of players with connections, I, I looked at three tight ends who kind of changed addresses that 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 kind of have New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, I guess appendages attached to them well one 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 guy is Nick Vanette who's going to New Orleans where where Jared Cook has left to go to the Los Angeles Chargers Uh, and the other guy is Dan Arnold who goes to Carolina so when you look at these three tight ends Vanette going to New Orleans I know Adam Troutman is there so i will be curious what you think about what happens with those two players Arnold, who's there's familiarity with, with Carolina, where Joe Brady was his offensive coordinator with the Saints, and Joe Lombardi is now the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers, and that's where Jared Cook is headed. So when I look at all these guys with kind of New Orleans attachment, you know, that's, there's some intrigue there. I know in that, in that Carolina offense that, basically doesn't utilize the tight end all that much, but but Arnold has shown it in, in a few games last year in an offense that wasn't necessarily tight end friendly, he did make some noise for, for Arizona. And at times Kyler Murray was able to find him down the field. He stretches the field a bit. He's got some legs, you know, he's he's an interesting player. So let's hear it your take on these three tight ends and the situations that they're headed into.
1: Yeah, I think probably Jared Cook will be would be ranked uh as the clear guy above those other, two others i am not a jared cook fan he won't be on any of my teams uh i think he that player is just unreliable and too touchdown dependent uh for, for my liking so he, he, you know, I think a lot of people have him, and man, what a situation to go to with Herbert and that pass happy, happy offense and they're throwing the ball all over the field. I just think he's going to be overvalued. Uh, I think Dan Arnold is an interesting guy to me. Um, that Arizona Cardinal offense, they just don't want to involve the tight end. I mean, he just, he, he just, just really wasted there. But now, uh, you know, going over, um, and I, I think he's going to, you know. I think he's a better player. I'm certainly a better receiver than Ian Thomas. So I think he's going to win that job. And in that offense, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of young talent in that offense. And, uh, yeah, I think if Dan Arnold is one of these guys we you see – you know, the season started him get the majority of the snaps over Ian Thomas. He's certainly a guy to pick up. And I wouldn't be mad at somebody in a two in a league where you draft two tight ends to take Dan Arnold as your second guy. I just think with Arizona, they're not going to use the tight end that much. And they don't really want to throw it to the tight end. And uh, this could be a, a new lease on life for Dan Arnold. So um, I, I think people are going to rank him probably Cook. Uh, Arnold and Vanette, uh, but I, I, I think I like Arnold um, over Cook, and then Vanette I just think it's not going to be. I, you know, I like, I like the, the, the young player in Troutman that they have there already. So uh, um, that's how I see it. I think Dan Arnold is one of these guys at the tight end position uh, that's the most interesting guy out of all the veterans that have switched teams.
0: Yeah, and, and, and again, some familiarity with Joe Brady. Uh, they were together when, when uh, Arnold was with the New Orleans Saints. So so we'll see what happens with that one. One of your players uh, from your old squad, the, the Minnesota Vikings, and that's uh, Kyle Rudolph, who comes to the Giants, uh, yet another offensive weapon for the Giants. We know Evan Ingram is here uh, with, with the Giants. Um, I, I don't know, like I think the – Uh, productivity-wise, I think Kyle Rudolph has seen better days. Uh, Obviously... At times, Evan Ingram has struggled to stay on the field. So is he an injury away from being a, a factor for the fantasy football season? I, I'd say that's probably true. Uh, but outside of that, Kyle Rudolph moving, I think I think it's great for the, I think it's great for, um, the New York Giants in terms of locker room presence and, and veteran stability there. But I, I think he's going to need injuries to kind of be a factor uh, on the fantasy landscape for the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, I think you know, it, you know, they'll play him with twelve personnel. I just don't think he's going to play uh, that often or uh, be much of a. Uh, fantasy football contributor this year for the Giants. Uh, it would have to take an injury to Ingram, and anything he does at this point is probably going to be utilizing him where he is best at this point is, uh, is, is red zone target. So, uh, uh, as much as I like the player uh, and like him, as, you know, everything he did for the Vikings, made some uh, big catches, especially that uh, playoff one against the Saints, uh, but uh, as far as upcoming value this year in fantasy football, uh, it, it, it's going to take a lot for Kyle Rudolph to uh, be
0: fantasy football uh, relevant this year. And I guess, I guess two other guys that I'll, I'll just mention, I, I know we, we, you know, we've talked about uh, the, the kid Blake Bell before, uh, who was actually returning to Kansas city. Um, we, we've talked about a player like that. And you know, again, that's going to need, that's going to need an injury to someone like Travis Kelsey for any kind of uh, uh, relevance there. Uh, Darren Fells moves from Houston to Detroit. Um, but, And and again, playing behind a a very talented tight end there. So I I don't see much room for success, but... Two guys that kind of intrigue me just a tiny, tiny bit uh, that, have, uh, that have moved addresses. Uh, Tyler Croft to the Jets, where Chris Herndon is already there, but not been productive, although made a little bit of noise at the end of last season. And the other guy is Jacob Hollister, who moves from Seattle to Buffalo, where even though Dawson Knox is there, a very friendly pass offense. Uh, you know, perhaps when I look at those two players' opportunity, is a potential for either of these two guys? Would you Would you agree with that statement, or am I am I grasping at straws a little bit with those two players?
1: No, I, I don't think you're grasping at straw, uh, straws, but I wouldn't put them I wouldn't lump them together. Um, Tyler Croft is in a situation where, I I don't know, it's a new coaching staff. Maybe they're going to be able to revitalize Chris Herndon and his potential. Ryan Griffin is always one of these guys that is, you know, has his games and is used sometimes in games not used at all in other games. So he's kind of like in a three-headed monster situation with a rookie quarterback. I think the situation for potential is much much better with Jacob Hollister in Buffalo for two obvious reasons one uh, is obviously the quarterback and uh, and uh, you know you just want to be part of this Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offensive party so that's one and the other one is um, is that Dawson Knox You know, the likelihood of this guy playing 17 games and not missing a stretch of time, I I don't know what it is with the player, but it just seems every week he's missing time or doubtful for a game or he can't stay on the field. So when you look at at that situation, um, Jacob Hollister is one of these guys that you have to keep an eye on for the potential because of the injury to the guy he's battling at the position with and because of uh of josh allen that offense so man there there is a real opportunity for jacob hollister to be i believe in that tight end one category you know between 10 and 15 if um if 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 dawson not was to miss any time yeah i
0: i agree i just think the Buffalo Bills, that, that situation is not going to change a lot in terms of how they're going to handle their offense uh, with the personnel they have. So so there is some intrigue there for for a guy like Hollister for me as well. Um, any, any other tight end that I've missed that, that, that kind of I haven't mentioned yet that, that has any intrigue for you? Or, or do you think we've uh, well, co- well, two,
1: two players. One
0: is Ryan Izzo,
1: a guy who's just drafted by the Patriots, just traded to the Texans. They gave up, you know, basically – Nothing to get him. I don't know. Not that he's going to do anything, but there's a chance um, he could get a a decent amount of playing time. Uh, I don't like that situation if it's going to be. Uh, with it with a new quarterback but you know I don't know if there's a chance maybe he could be the number one tight end there and then I guess from an entertainment standpoint Tim Tebow um, you know actually signed I don't know if he's going to make the team but uh, a deal has been made so uh, I guess that's something to keep an eye on but I think we talked about the key guys uh, Hollister potential Dan Arnold potential the two players signed by the Patriots, um, and and uh, Jared Cook and Gerald Everett, those are the those are the guys kind of that switch teams. None of them right now. I would put in tight end one. Range, but if there was an injury or something was to happen to either one of those Patriot tight ends, the other one would be in the tight end one grouping, and uh, those those are the main guys at the position that could sneak into the tight end uh, one. And uh, if you're drafting two tight ends, I think Hollister and uh, and Dan Arnold, uh, you know, make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, and, and look, I, I think Wiz and I, when we start getting closer to the season, we and we, we look in depth at positions. And I think we found this last year, and I, and I think it would be the case at least on the surface. I mean, I haven't gone f- fully deep into it yet, but but I still feel that tight end is very very deep, and you can afford if you're not one of these guys. You know, if you don't if you don't get a, a Waller or or a Kelsey, there's a lot of interesting choices in in those rankings of tight ends between let's say 10 and 20, uh, where if you're one of these guys that plays matchups and you can and you only have to keep one tight end in your roster. You can actually stream your tight ends during the season. There are some really nice options. I think there's a lot of depth at the position and tight end has become, you know, there's 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 so many more guys that end up being a, a factor and in some cases some teams have two. So so tight end to me is one of the deeper deeper positions out there in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think the position has evolved and changed over time and now you know what you could be looking at now. Now you now enter now now Kyle Pitts enters the tight end situation. Now you could be looking at Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard not being on the same team, both giving them potential uh, tight end value. The two Patriot tight ends we talked about, uh, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett being on different teams increases their value. So yeah, I mean I'm with you uh, that the position is deep and then you know in leagues where you're streaming tight end or you mandatory draft two tight ends uh, i think there are a bunch of uh, interesting tight ends um that could step up and uh and um and you know and seeing uh you know somebody's like second year tight end just a couple of guys that mentioned troutman and harrison bryant from the browns we, we will get to those guys these are these are interesting guys to keep your eye on and uh and and we'll see how you know as it gets closer to the season of course we're going to do in-depth rankings but uh just to talk about the position it has certainly evolved and there is a lot more depth uh, now than just let's say five years ago at the position
0: yeah, and, and that and that's been lent to by by the NFL offense is really embracing the position a lot more. All right, so let's let's move to to kicker and, and defense because uh, obviously on defense it was a tremendous amount of moves, a lot of players uh, changing addresses, and kickers not too many, but but two in particular that kind of. Str- you know, because they are kicking indoors, uh, it, it's something that I like to look at, especially late in the season when you're when you're trying to play matchups with bad weather. And, and one's going to uh, a very high powered offense uh, in the Arizona Cardinals, and that's Matt Prater, a kicker who in the past has been sent out on all occasions by his head coaches to kick field goals from over fifty yards, one of the more accurate fifty yard kickers in the NFL. Now we'll be going to Kyler Murray's offense in Arizona, and the guy taking his place in Detroit kicking in the dome under Jared Goff's new offense uh, would be Randy Bullock uh, who who was pretty successful last year actually for Cincinnati in terms of accuracy uh, who will be kicking look more than likely be the starting kicker for the Lions this coming season so uh, I look at a guy like Prater coming into this season in that offense to me you know all kind of automatic top ten. Zane Gonzalez was there uh, over the last few seasons. Uh, very inconsistent. Uh, a kicker that I liked early in his career, but you know that that kind of ran out of steam very very quickly. But in this offense, you have to like that. I, I don't know. If I could say the same for a guy like Bullock, but Bullock, like I said. Did display some accuracy uh, for last year, but those are two noteworthy names at the kicking position that I look at, and for me, Prater definitely enters the the, the, the discussion in terms of a, a top ten guy coming into this season.
1: Yeah, I think I think you know, yeah, bulk was okay, and you know, I, I don't know how the coach of the line is going to handle. Um, wrong field goals, you know, this is a lot of research and and things that you have to look at, uh, you know, as far as when you analyze the kickers for the, uh, uh, you know, the upcoming season. It's why I'm really an advocate of leagues uh, that really differentiate kicking points and they don't make everything the same because there is time and effort and research and knowledge that goes into you know kickers and long field goals about which coach will, you know, send their kicker out, who's more likely to go for it from the forty yard line on fourth and one. Um, you know, the, the you know who who made the fifty yarders the year before, how many attempts did they have? So there's you know, I, I, I like leagues that really differentiate kicking points um, and don't make everything the same. So it'll all that being said, uh, I think Prater going to that offense. Uh, it just seems to me Arizona still has their red zone troubles, even with Hopkins I thought it was going to kind of alleviate that situation. So there seems to be a lot of attempts. And uh, so if you give Prater a lot of attempts and, you know, they, they gave Gonzalez a lot of attempts from 50, um, yeah, I think, I think
0: Matt Prater gets a big boost going from the Lions to Arizona, certainly. All right. In a position where there was a lot of money thrown around as opposed to running back, was the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a number of guys uh, changing locations this year. I think you know, the New England Patriots, who have a lot of guys coming back uh, on defense as it is, who opted out last year, made a number of key signings. I think there are, there are a number of other ones. You know, We both looked at a guy like Trey Hendrickson uh, as a guy who we thought evolved a lot last year, and he ends up at a place, you know, kind of a weird place in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati that. He lost guys like Carl Lawson and and, and Atkins, and, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to be kind of the name guy in, in that defense now. So when, when I look at this, Bud Dupree coming off a tough injury, but, you know, he'll be a mainstay in that Tennessee defense kind of moving forward. Uh, you've mentioned a number of times before Addery Jackson, who will be, now be part of the Giant off giant defense, which adds to an already solid secondary there. So there were a number of different guys that move locations. Some veteran guys um, who have been with the same team for a number of years, like William Jackson, who goes from Cincinnati to Washington. Uh, I know you've mentioned J.J. Watt. Uh, I don't know what's very strange that Yannick Ngakwe, again, I, this guy's been on four or five teams already in his young career, now he's a Las Vegas Raiders. So so on defense, do you think there's any defensive players or, or, or number of players? I, I think New England and Cleveland, we've talked a lot about both of these teams, are places where they've improved their defenses enough where it's going to make an impact from a fantasy perspective. Um, I don't think a guy like Trey Hendrickson necessarily moves the needle for the entire Cincinnati defense because they have a number of holes to fill there. So, so on defense, what are you looking at for players that have actually changed teams this year coming into the 2021 season?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at defense and I'll tell you, I think there's been a big changing of the guard. There were teams that, boy, you could count on them being a top five to seven defense and they are not even in, in the top 12 defense at all. You know, let me give you a few examples. My beloved Minnesota Vikings. I don't think they're a tight end, a, you know, a, a, a number one defense where they're considered top 12 by any stretch Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> they were a top three, top five defense. But I don't know how many years I wouldn't put them in the top 12 defenses. Um, the 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 chargers uh they you know lost you know ingram's going elsewhere and they look like more of a you know an offensive team i wouldn't really rank them as as one of my top 12 defenses uh you know i think i think there's been a lot of change um at you know you know you look at some of these other teams and uh You know, you have the Tampa Bays, who now are probably in the top five or seven defenses. Uh, Miami Dolphins are in defense one uh, territory for sure. Um, Cleveland's entering that territory. Uh, Denver is still maybe entering that, you know, right around that area. So I think there's been a changing of the guard. And, um, you know, the, the, the names of the past that you could count on uh, for your defense, you know, to, to dominate in in years past are gone, and uh, yeah, even the Steelers as well. But like, I'm still, I still have a little bit of concern if their offense is going to not be able to be on the, stay, keep their defense off the field. Are they really the number one defense? You know, without Dupree and with maybe a sluggish offense, I don't know about that. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little concerned about them. Um, as well. And I, I think there's a whole new life injected into these top 12 defenses. And uh, you're seeing names like the Browns, the Dolphins, the Colts, the, the, the Patriots off a bad year can be back. So I think for the first time in a long time, uh, you got to look over those defenses because some of the names of the last five years are out and some of these new teams are in.
0: Yeah, and the Steelers. I've seen on, on, on a few of the early season projection things that uh, some people put out. I've seen the Steelers ranked as high as one. Uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm not sure I, I quite trust that. Um, I I do worry a lot. Yeah, you know, Wiz and I have talked a lot about this. When a team struggles offensively, and we've seen this with a number of teams, that that is a big impact on a team's defense and and the defense staying on the field a lot more. So I think that has to be part of your thinking and into the equation. You'll, you'll find that out pretty quickly. I, I, I think for a lot of fantasy football prognosticators, I don't think enough thought is kind of put into things like that. And, and, and Wiz and I certainly touched upon a few of those defenses last year. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by Cleveland's defense this year. Uh, be, another reason for that is their offense and the way they're going to run it. Uh, Baker Mayfield, more of a game manager. We know how gifted this backfield is. Um, you know, keeping drives alive and sustaining and, and, and working the clock. That's a big factor for your defense staying off the field and, and, and being more fresh. Uh, as you're dominating clock and not having to have your defense on the field as much. So so I, ca- I tend to agree with you. I think there is a bit of a changing of guard in defense. Uh, another defense I'm going to watch a little bit closely, they did make a number of moves in the preseason, uh, sorry, in the offseason. Uh, and a defense that I thought played with a lot of spunk at the end of last year and will be led by a new head coach and a new quarterback, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they made a number of signings as well. So, yeah, there there, there is some movement uh, in the defensive in, in the defensive landscape and some teams have definitely kind of started to kind of fade away. A team like the bears who, who have not had offensive talent. Uh, they made that big trade for Khalil Mack a few years back the, that the defense was great. But the last time that defense looked really great was probably like 2017 or 18. And it's been a number of years since they've been relevant from a fantasy perspective uh in, in fantasy football. So yeah, I, I think to your point, Wiz, it, it's something to be watched. Uh I think I think New England probably is back to being a top five defense on paper. But you know, you've touched on this as well. Uh that that division is a lot better and, and gonna be a lot better offensively. It, it's not it's not a patsy division as it was, you know, for a number of years when the Patriots were kind of dominating. it. It's a much different story as we come into this uh, coming season. So, yeah, defenses matter, uh, you know, special teams, all, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Wiz and I will definitely get more detailed in that. But, but again, a, a number of players moving around, that, which could make a material difference uh, on some of these defenses uh, coming into the upcoming season
1: just just touching on back on the Steelers for one second is you know part of the appeal for these last 3 five, ten twenty years 20 with the Steeler defense is look at the six division games you're getting right you know the two games against the Ravens are going to be these physical 17 14 20 17 23 20 there's going to be fumbles sacks turnovers and then you're going to beat up on the Browns and Bengals in the other four games well that's not true anymore one is when the Ravens got that running game going they could keep the ball and they could you know make your defense look bad and they could hang up points against you. Cleveland's a better team than Pittsburgh, so those days are over. And Cincinnati is sending out Tyler Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins against a secondary. Uh, Any secondary is going to put up points with a second-year quarterback who's got a lot of confidence in Joe Burrow. So those days of the physical games against the Ravens and then beat up on the Browns and Megals for four games, and you know you're going to have a terrific defense special team scoring at least in those six games and probably others are gone because in my opinion Pittsburgh is at best the third best team in that division and very shortly they may be the worst team in that division.
0: Yeah, I think you and I have definitely articulated our views on the Steelers and uh, guys like Ricky and and Nunu who are big Steelers fans. I, I think they're in for a rude awakening this year. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm not feeling it for the Steelers. I, and the Steelers have been one of these defenses who, who have gotten by too with, with a lot of sacks in, in, on that defense. Uh, but losing a guy like Dupree, and some of their key players coming back from injuries, and you know, it takes time to get back and to kind of rev up those engines again. So, yeah, the Steelers will still kind of have that, uh, that, that kind of reputation. But I think, you, you know, when you're coming into this season, you want to look long and hard at, on a number of variables that impact your defense. And, yeah, the rules in the NFL have not exactly gotten better from, for defense. But, you know, as the season wears on, we've seen this every year, defense has become a much bigger part of the story Offensive gets caught up with a, as the season moves on. The weather gets worse. And, you know, defenses can make a material difference. And, and Wiz and I are, are, are always looking at playoff matchups when we're, when we're, when we're drafting a team. On, on, and, look, that's part of prediction, right? You want to you you try to predict those matchups late in the year. And if you're anticipating being in the playoffs, you want to watch those matchups where weather may be a factor and where the matchups uh, are, are in your favor late in the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you were able to roll up a big score with your defense, it's in situations where the defense you have, that team is winning by 14, 17 points in the fourth quarter, and the other team has to throw for mostly every play in the second half. You could pin your ears back, and you could roll up sack, fumbles, strips, fumbles, scooping scores, interceptions, all kinds of good stuff. And... I'm I'm just saying I don't see many games where Pittsburgh is going to be on top of anybody
0: by 14 17 points. Yeah. I I, I tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. All righty, very good. Um, Wiz, anything further, Ed, uh, until we move on to, uh, I think, something which we're going to get very involved with, it, and this kind of leads into where this podcast, a, a slightly different direction it will go this year. There will be a little bit more focus on kind of the uh, the the prop and the DraftKings side of things, and, and we're going to be looking at some of these prop bets, the, the team futures and, and some of that action uh, that you can put on some of these websites. We use DraftKings a lot. I know others may use something like Pen Game. Or FanDuel, but uh, I think that's what we're looking to do next. But any- anything further, Ed, before we uh, before we head to the mm-hmm. end of this uh, podcast, Wiz?
1: We're just going to do, uh, you know, we're going to look at the, the futures, unders and overs on, on, on teams, wins totals, and uh, maybe delve into the divisions and MVP stuff and rookie of the year stuff, maybe a little down the road, but the next podcast we're going to do is uh, the unders and overs on, on wins for each team, and then we're going to each uh, pick out uh, our favorites and which ones at this point that we really like.
0: All right, fantastic. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wiz, thank you very much again. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we will talk later in the week uh, catching up on uh, the team futures aspect of things. So thanks very much, and have a good night. You do the same.